Should the Miami Dolphins be interested in kicking the tires on Cincinnati offensive lineman Jonah Williams? That's the discussion here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked on Network. Today is Monday, March 20th, 2023. And today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, this game is definitely for you. To download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins, also the host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Show with Joe Marino. New programming here on the Locked On Network. We're obviously very excited about, so make sure you swing over and check that out after, after you finish Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, we're talking about Jonah Williams, uh, whether or not he'd be a good fit for the Dolphins, whether or not I would pursue him for the Dolphins, and talking about uh, the Dolphins' offensive line for yet another day because it's something everybody's really stressed out about. <laughs> Again. Yet again. So, Jonah Williams, suddenly, probably, most likely available via trade. Uh, the Bengals have signed Orlando Brown Jr. to play left tackle for them. It's a contract worth about $16, $16.5 million per season. And when you consider what the Bengals did for their offensive line last year, and you consider Jonah Williams' contract and the value that, that he is going to cost the team, this puzzle piece probably isn't going to fit anymore in Cincinnati. Well, the Bengals, you think about this offensive line that the Bengals have. Jonah Williams was the 11th overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He's entering into a contract year in which he's fully guaranteed $12.6 million in salary. So last year of his deal, coming off of an injury, dislocated his kneecap in the playoffs. It's a bad mix. And you just signed a player for $16 million to take his spot. You think about the rest of the offensive line. They signed Lyle Collins, who is a player the Dolphins fans wanted to play right tackle for them. The Bengals signed him last year to play right tackle for them. Both of their guard spots, Alex Kappa, they signed in free agency. Ted Karras, the center, they signed in free agency. Cordell Volson was a mid-round pick last year from North Dakota State, was one of their better players on the offensive line. The, from a math perspective, Jonah Williams for $12.6 million in Cincinnati is just not going to fly. The question is whether or not he's worth the Dolphins pursuing for $12.6 million, knowing you're going to have to send a draft pick over. So I watched four games of Jonah Williams. I watched some from 2021, and I watched some from 2022. And here's the thing that stood out to me about Jonah Williams, and it doesn't necessarily disqualify him from being a target for the Dolphins, but it complicates matters quite a bit. I think he's a guard. To be totally honest. I think he'd be better at guard than he would at tackle. Oh, Jonah Williams is kind of the, the book on Jonah Williams is this is a player who doesn't meet prototypical length standards for playing offensive tackle in the NFL. I thought he did well with framing his pass sets. I thought he anchored really well. But when he was charged with wide angles and speed off the edge, the work that he has to do to take the air out of that set and get off onto that island and take that angular set to greet that pass rusher 
it creates a larger void inside with you and your left guard. Because Jonah doesn't have great length, and I didn't think his foot quickness was ideal for this kind of player, you're left in instances where defenders have more shallow angles to cut back across your face. That happened in the Dallas Cowboys game from last year. Josh Uche beat him back inside on, on one occasion in the New England Patriots game last year late in the season. And because he doesn't have the, the redirect and slide and, and elite lateral agility, he can't slide with that when you try and cross his face and cut back inside. But if you don't get out there quite fast enough, your lack of length is going to show up by pass rushers having reduced angles in which to turn the corner for you and rush with speed off the outside. So it's kind of this limbo if you will, with Jonah Williams that I think is alleviated at guard because you aren't so stressed laterally and it's much more of a close quarters combat with your hand fighting in general where you have bigger defenders that will get up on top of you, but it's not going to test your reach and your hemisphere, if you will, of a blocking radius as a player like playing an offensive tackle does. So... Even if he comes to Miami, even if the Dolphins were to trade for Jonah Williams, you got Teron Armstead at left tackle. Whether or not he wants to play right tackle or not and the blind side of Tua, it doesn't matter. I think he's a better guard than a tackle. So if you're acquiring Jonah Williams, in my mind, you'd be doing so to acquire him to play left guard and not right tackle. I don't think he's an answer at tackle, as evidenced by the pressures that he has uh allowed during his tenure as the starting left tackle of the Cincinnati Bengals. There's been good games. Uh, Brandon Thorne, who's one of the best out there with offensive line uh, play and analysis in the, the sports media space, and alluded to the game he played against Yannick Ngakwe. And Yannick Ngakwe is a speed rusher, but Yannick Ngakwe is also a speed rusher who doesn't have length that would test, I think, the biggest limiting factor that Jonah Williams has. So that's kind of this... Challenge of the evaluation for Jonah is I think he's better at a position that he's not been playing. So are you, as the Dolphins, going to trade assets to Cincinnati to bring this player in, in a contract year, in which he'd be one of your five biggest salaries on the books, to play a new position, whilst then having to make a decision about what you want to do with your contract with Jonah Williams? I would not. I am interested in upgrading the offensive line. But the gamble that in my mind is present in trading for $12.6 million in fully guaranteed salary for a player coming off of an injury to ask him to play a new position for you is not a winning formula. It's not a sound maneuver. Whether or not the Dolphins agree, we're going to find out. And we have lots more to break down about uh, Jonah Williams, how you would have to fit him in the confines of the way that your, your roster is currently constructed. And we're going to talk about that as soon as I talk to you all about ultimate pro football GM, the game that I have just been raving repeatedly about. I love this mobile game. It is a lot of fun. That's a great way to, to disconnect for, for 10, 15 minutes and go through a season. Or maybe sometimes you'll go down the rabbit hole and you'll look up and you'll have gone through a decade's worth of seasons and you'll have lost 90 minutes of your day. It's fun. No regrets. Uh, <laughs> Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app before, and if you think you'd make a good GM, why don't you 
trying to make your own dynasty and find out. An ultimate football GM, uh, you control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build that historic dynasty. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, player personnel issues, and the ups and downs of a season. All in a challenging and realistic game world, Ultimate Football Jam is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked On Dolphins listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. Download the game. Visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores, ultimate-gm.com. Start your dynasty today. So just the financial aspect of Jonah Williams, $12.6 million fully guaranteed last year of his deal. So you don't have anywhere else to put it unless you put void years on the back end of a one-year deal and restructure it, or if you give him a contract extension. As things currently stand, the Dolphins will have that amount of cap space, but not until after June 1st. So does this play out until June 1st? In which case, okay, it kind of opens up like you can kind of play the game if you want to. Or you would have to execute a number of different things, and they'd all be like the big dominoes the Dolphins have left to play. Extend Christian Wilkins, extend Connor Williams, trade Cedric Wilson. The only other big block you have to play with is Emmanuel Agba, and I don't know that they're going to touch that predictively. So manipulating the other contracts that you have to accommodate a player whose trade value is probably going to be in a limbo that you don't have anything anyway, it's, it's too much for me to justify when there's other avenues out there that the Dolphins can take. Because let's be honest, like Jonah Williams, I wouldn't definitely not send a top 100 pick to Cincinnati for him. So what you're left with is the Dolphins have a two, a three, a six, and a seven. Do you send a three and try and get a four back or a five back? And that that now you're not getting another player on a rookie contract that can actually contribute to your team with any level of reliability. It's It wouldn't be the pathway that I would take. The good news is this. I think there is a player out there if you're going to address left guard, which would be, in my mind, what you're doing by acquiring um, Jonah Williams, who has a connection to the Dolphins' offensive line based on a coach that's here. And when you look at the economics of the interior offensive line in general this year, what we saw was your your two big money contracts that were given out, well, your two biggest money contracts that were given out, I should say, were players re-signing with their own teams. Jason Kelsey decided not to retire. He got 14 and a quarter for the Eagles. And Chris Lindstrom, the guard, former first-round pick guard uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, got 20 and a half million per season. So that's a big contract for an interior guy. Uh, ben Powers got the most on the open market. He got 13. Nate Davis got 10 transitioning from Tennessee to Chicago. I think those are good signings. But you see Isaac Samalo got three for 24 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he went for eight per, and we're talking Jonah Williams to trade and send a draft pick in addition and pay 50% more? No, thank you. Now, am I bummed that the Dolphins perhaps didn't go after Isaac Samalo for if I knew three for eight was the, the price point? Yeah. Am I bummed that they didn't? Go after Shaq Mason and trade for Shaq Mason to play guard for this team? Yeah. 
it was a six and a seven pick swap with Shaq Mason involved to dump eight eight million dollars in salary. And the Dolphins, look, they're they're the seventh lowest team in the NFL as far as cap commitments on their offensive line this year, as things currently stand. But I understand that's just cap commitments, right? Like you restructure Toronto Armstead. It's not truly indicative of how much you've invested. You look at the investments that they've made. Toronto Armstead, five for 75. Connor Williams got the big contract. Robert Hunt was a second-round pick. Liam Eikenberg was a second-round pick that you traded up for. Austin Jackson was a first-round pick. They aren't all good investments, but they're investments that were made for sure. Um, you just have to know what you're getting in my mind to, to address those other spots, which is why the, the player that I kind of have soft-circled right now is Dalton Risner uh, from the Denver Broncos. You're seeing a lot of seven, six, five per valuations. Dalton Risner, if you can get him in that strike, so if that's the going rate right now, for interior offensive linemen on the market, you can put me down for him. He played for Butch Berry, the, the Dolphins' new offensive line coach. Now, I don't know how effective Butch Berry is going to be, but when I think about offensive line construction, one of the best bits of feedback that I got, and I guess I'm finding some solace here, is I've been in draft media for about 10 years now. I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of influential people. I've talked to a lot of people who have been decision makers at the NFL level, a lot of coaches at the NFL level. One of the most compelling discussion discussions that I've had about specifically the offensive line was being talking about construction of a good offensive line and the feedback being it's the only unit in the NFL where the value of the coach transcends the value of the players. Think about it. Playing wide receiver on the outside. It's one-on-one -on -one situation. It's you versus the guy across from you. Freak of nature versus freak of nature. Um... You as a running back, you are dependent on the offensive line in front of you, but you as an individual talent, you are meeting the linebacker in the hole of the safety in the alley, and you got to make that guy miss and, and try to make a play. But on the offensive line, it's five individuals plus anyone else from a skill player perspective who is attached to the front who are effectively operating as one living organism at the same time. Everybody has to process the information that the defense is presenting to you in real time, and everybody has to process it the same in the same amount of time. And if you don't, that's how you get guys unblocked at the point of attack. That's how you got free runners coming through the second level. That's how you got uh, protection busts and a, a, an interior defensive lineman who comes right up the middle and touches your quarterback, put undue stress on your quarterback. It's, it's very much different in the sense that you are all so co-reliant to execute and you have to process in real time how the defense changes from their pre-snap to their post. It's really fascinating stuff, right? It's the, the, the classic Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. And the, the argument was the offensive line group is the only unit in which the Jimmy's and Joe's gets transcended by the X's and O's of your coaching to make sure everybody's on the same page. Now, from a Dolphins perspective, that might be good news, but also bad news because the offensive line coach has been a musical chairs position for the Dolphins for forever, and it has changed again. They, they dismissed Matt Applebaum. They hired Butch Berry. But Frank Smith, who's the offensive coordinator, should have some stabilizing influence in addition to the team playing within the offensive system for the first time in like five years. So there's pathways. Um, 
for this group to improve on its own beyond getting better talent because Austin Jackson is talented, physically very gifted. Liam Eikenberg was technical and gifted and learning a new position. So if that's the discussion point, that's fine. But I do think it would be negligent to ignore improving those spots. If the Dolphins went out and they signed Dalton Risner and George Fant, I'm willing to live with, with what that offensive line construction is. If the Dolphins draft or, or sign Dalton Risner and trade up from 51 and draft an offensive tackle, whether that's Jalen Duncan from Maryland or Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, I'm willing to live with that outcome as well. And I think they will have done the due justice that they need to. Or maybe you get post-June 1st and a veteran hits the market. You get that guy for a little cheaper than you thought you might. There's plenty of pathways to get it done. But I do think it's especially interesting that in the midst of trying to get this unit better, there is a very clear and obvious argument to be made that, hey, perhaps the best thing we can do is just have some damn stability with this group. I would rather take that bet than trade for Jonah Williams to bring this back to Jonah Williams. I would rather bet that the group needs more time in the same system so that they as a group of five can see the same things and process what is happening at the same time. Then bring a new player in at a new position who's coming off an injury, who's going to cost you a draft pick, who's going to cost you $12.5 million in or a long-term contract restructure that you would have to pay this player before he ever takes snaps at his new position. It's too many questions for me. I have one additional thought. We're going to get to it as soon as we talk about the madness that is March Madness. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's 1,000 big ones if your first bet does not win in bonus bets that you get back. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You can rest easy knowing it's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Don't miss the chance for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. My last thought is this, uh, pertaining specifically to the offensive line and, and where the Dolphins stand. I know that this the discussion point has largely been for Tua Tonga-Valoa health, the offensive line needs to be better. You need more talent. And I generally would agree with that. I think that's a fair assessment. You need better play at two spots on your offensive line. But... There's another element to quarterback health and another element to protection that I think the Dolphins are a very unique case study in for the sense of how this Mike McDaniel offense works. The explosiveness of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is a very unique combination of perimeter players who are interchangeable as far as being able to play inside, playing on the same side of the formation, playing on opposite sides of the formation, and how that changes secondary structures that you're facing defensively. The Dolphins were a quick-timing, rhythm-based passing offense that pushed the ball further down the field on a per-attempt average than the vast majority of teams in the NFL. So this was not a quick-timing offense that everything is within five yards of the line of scrimmage. They were getting the ball out quick and attacking further down the field. 
building upon that is going to be helpful. But the other thing that's going to be helpful to give Tua Tungvaloa more opportunities to conti continuously get the ball out of his hand from a timing perspective is you think about the games in which the Dolphins struggled offensively last year. And they were the games in which teams dedicated playing physical with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wild at the line of scrimmage, and they played over top. So they effectively cloud and pressed both of those players. And they put everybody else in a one-on-one -on -one situation and said, go ahead, somebody else beat us. Because Mike Kosecki couldn't beat, beat you with consistency. Cedric Wilson didn't have opportunities with any level of consistency. Trent Sherfield wasn't winning his one-on-ones. So what you ended up having was the offense was constipated when teams overcommitted their assets to playing physical with Waddle and Hill at the line of scrimmage to disrupt the timing of the routes and then played over the top of them to protect themselves vertically from spot throws down the field. Braxton Berrios is low-key a really nice ad. Low-key a really nice ad. Because Berrios, you know, he got $3.5 this year. I promise you, you didn't pay Braxton Berrios $3.5 million this year to just be your kicker, kick returner and punt returner. He's going to have an impact on this offense. And that his style of play is such that he is capable of winning from the slot in one-on-one -on -one situations. He is a separator, and he can win quickly. Now, what he does after the ball is in his hands. He has great track speed, so he's not going to consistently hit home runs to the same degree that Waddle and Hill do. But that's okay. Can you move the chains? Can you get eight yards on third and six? Well, if you're doing that by winning early and defeating press coverage from the slot, that was a big missing element for the Dolphins last year where think about the San Francisco game and the Chargers game and what ends up happening is you're, you're either holding the ball too long and you're then inviting the pressure that, that really built up on you or you're throwing the ball into very tightly contested opportunities where Mike Gusecki is trying to pin the ball on his helmet as he's going out of bounds. And you couldn't pull those opportunities out, and you lost a couple of very closely contested football games as a result. So, yes, the offensive line needs to be better, but low-key, I think the Braxton Barrio signing for those instances in which teams try to defend the Dolphins in that capacity is an addition that can be very helpful to ensure that the Dolphins' offense still stays on rhythm and in structure within its passing offense as the progressions are defined. So that that's my my two cents. Obviously, we're not finishing with Jonah Williams, but we gave plenty of time today to Jonah Williams. It's a thanks, but no thanks for me. Doesn't mean I don't want the offensive line to be better. It doesn't mean I don't want the protection to be more consistent. It doesn't mean I want the runner game to be more cons uh, consistent. But it's a thanks for no thanks on Jonah Williams for a litany of reasons. And I think there's other pieces of this puzzle that can help bridge the gap. And I think you can be more selective and not so desperate with a maneuver that you would make to bring somebody else in to bridge one of those two spots on your offensive line that you're considering to be problem spots. That's going to do it for us here today on the show. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Make sure you go check out Locked On NFL Scouting with Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are talking a little bit more about Jonah Williams and what his trade value across the league would be today on the show. Excited to bring that to you. So keep it locked in here on the Locked On Network. Fins up. Thanks for watching.